You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good afternoon. No. Good morning, Calvary. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm just testing you. I lost an hour of sleep too. Don't judge. Okay. Anyway, hey, um, I'm so, so happy to be here. My name is Pastor George. If you don't know who I am, I'm the worship pastor here. Can we give it up for the band? Seriously, we are, we are so blessed with so, so many talented people. Well, um, I'm going to give you a little quick little secret, okay? It's a really important secret. In about two weeks, my wife and I are going to celebrate nine years of being together. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I have no idea how she stuck around so long. She's like, I don't know why she, what she sees in me. You know, every time that I think about it, I always say, man, I'm the luckiest man in the world um, because I got the better end of the deal, you know? <laughs> like, I think that God put, like, some type of curse over her eyes. Like, she doesn't really see that she's married to, like, some really, really skinny, scrawny person. But, hey, I'm grateful for that, you know? Um, but here, how did it all start? I want to share this, share this story with you. Um, many moons ago, when we were, um, what's the word? courting is that the word well we were courting we weren't official yet you know uh she comes up to me and she's like hey um my all my friends and my family we're gonna go out to dinner for my birthday we're gonna go to this fancy place and i would love it if you can come and i'm thinking like that's it i'm in you know like she 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 invited me out on a date me don't worry about the other people she invited me on a date you know what i'm saying so I'm like, oh, when is it? Yeah, 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 well, let's do it. When is it? Oh, it's on this Thursday. We have reservations at 8 o'clock in Brickle. I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm like, I- I'm the only closing manager at the store that I was working at at the time, you know, the retail and all of that. So I had to count all the money and close out all the registers and all of that. And I'm just like, it has to be this Thursday at 8 o'clock. There's no way I'm going to make it. You know, I, I, by the time I get out of, the, out of work, it's going to be like 9.30, 9.45, maybe. Then I got to go home, get dressed, because you don't show up looking like a scrub, you know? Come on, right? And then I have to drive all the way to Brickle, somehow fine parking, overpriced parking, and all that. And I, you guys are going to be gone. And I told her, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Ladies. Then she said the words. And these are the words, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you know, right? Guys, you want some advice, some marital advice, some relationship advice? Ladies, let's school them real quick. If you say it's fine, what does that mean? It is not fine, you loser. Like, how can you possibly think it's fine? How did you not understand that? How telepathically, I'm not verbally telling you it's not fine, but you should just know. You should just know it's not fine. Right? Ladies, you're so confusing. Gosh, you know? So anyway, she says it's fine. And I even asked her, are you, are you sure? Such an idiot. He's like, yeah, 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 just close your store. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Right? So the whole day I'm working, and I don't know, you know, like I just felt like, like, I don't, she says it's fine. No, George, it's fine. No, I don't know if she's fine. I don't know what I should do. I, you know, and I'm going crazy. So I, I said, you know what? I, I, literally, I talked to myself this way. I'm sorry if you don't, but I do. I'm like, George, you're an idiot, okay? You're going to lose this girl. You need to show up tonight. Have you ever seen Hallmark movies? 
You know, right now you are the small town carpenter that's got to sweep her off her feet because she's from New York and you've got to make her move to Alaska. And, uh, anyway, <laughs> we watch a lot of homework in my family. <laughs> and so do I, apparently. Anyway, so I'm like, you got to do this. Even if you get there late, just show up. So I try to close the store early. I break every law known to man to get to my house, to get, to get dressed and all of that. Then I break 20 more laws on the way to Brickle. And I walk in. I see all my friends, all her friends, family, all of that. They look at me and they're like, George, what are you doing here? And I'll never forget the look on my wife's face. I mean, honestly, it, it, she looked at me and she's like, that's the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> yeah. You know? Okay, maybe she didn't think that. I like to think that she thought that, you know, whatever. But she did. She had this face and she's just like, what, what, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I've been thinking about you all day. I had to be here. I mean, I just had to, I had to get here. I'm sorry that I'm late, but I, I just had to be here. It's your birthday. You know, she's like, wow, that's awesome. You know, and she, so I sit down and I start noticing nobody's eating anything. Like there's no food. There's like 20 people. You know, they've been there since like eight o'clock. It's like 9.45, 10 o'clock when I get there. What have they been doing for an hour and a half? So I sit down, I look at the menu, I order some stuff. And within two seconds, all the food shows up. And all the people are like, oh, yeah, of course, George, of course. We've been waiting for like an hour and a half. You just show up, and now all the food gets there. Thanks, God. <laughs> you know, I knew it. He set me up. It was awesome. It was the perfect setup. And we sit down. We had a great time. It was a miracle that it happened, you know. We, we take pictures and this and that and whatever, and then we drove off, you know, and, and she texted me. She's like, tonight, you made me feel like the most important person in the world. And I texted her, that's because you are the most important person in the world to me. I know I should write a book. I know, I know. I know, no, just kidding, just kidding. Ain't got no skills here, no skills here. Uh, God skills, God skills. Anyway, so yeah, so I, I texted her that, you know, and, and it was that moment, that moment that she said, that we are officially a unit, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend and whatnot. And so why do I tell you this story? Because it's an awesome story, yes. Um, but I tell you this story to remind you that actions speak louder than words. Always. We know this. We don't need to read a book on this. We know this. Why? Because there is nothing worse than someone telling you something and them not following through on their word, right? We've heard it before. Oh, I'll be there. I'll be there. And, um, you can count on me. You can trust me. Just to find out that we're going to get disappointed over and over again. I mean, have you ever experienced that in your life? I'm sure if I pass a mic around to all of you, there are going to be hundreds of stories of that person. Fulanito por acá. Oh, he told me this. He thought, no, crazy. He stood me up. He said that he was going to change. Baby, baby, you got to believe me. You got to believe me. Girl, I'm going to change for you. No, he's not. You know, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Right? We get disappointed. And you might say that those people, because you know we're, talk, we're talking about those people, not anybody in here. Nobody in here does that. Come on, we're godly people here. Come on. We love Jesus. We, we follow through with all of our words. Yes be yes, no be no's, right? Right. Those people have commitment problems. That's probably what we say. Ah, oh, they don't commit to anything. They're just, ah, they don't commit. And I probably disagree with that. I think they're super committed. They're just not committed to you. <laughs> Ouch, that burns. Why does it burn? Because it's just it's the truth. 
You see, they don't have a commitment issue. I think it's deeper than that. They don't have a problem with their commitment. They have a problem and an issue with their character. That's the root of the problem. See, your character, character is something that no one really talks about. We barely talk about it. Yet it's one of the most important things that we need to protect, especially if you call yourself a Christian. Because your character, nothing has more of an impact on your life than your character. I don't care what talent you have, your education, your status, career, your network of friends, all of those things are super important and they have the power to open doors in your life. But don't get it twisted. That's what those things do. Character, your character determines what happens once you walk through those doors, right? Your good looks, your net worth may have gotten you married, but your character is going to keep you married. See how that works? Character means doing the right thing regardless of personal cost. Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to help you move, George. I'm going to help you move. But I got to brush my hair. So I mean, maybe, maybe I don't show up, right? Oh, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for you. Don't worry about it. Count on me. Count. I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up. And then you walk home or whatever the case may be, right? That's what happens when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't have character. They can care less about what you are dealing with because their personal cost. It's going to cost a lot for me to do the right thing. So I'm not going to do it. So in our short time together, all I want to do is make sure that you understand what it takes and how it is that you can develop God-honoring character in your life. Because whether you like it or not, church, guess what? We all have it. We all have some type of character, whether it's good or bad. And your character is telling a story to the rest of this world. Question is, what does that story look like? Is it a story of grace and forgiveness and love and all of that? Is it, is it, are you reflecting God's love through your story? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who said that? Yes, you are. Yes, right. <laughs> so cute. All right, I'm done. Bye. That's it. It's like, like, give me a break. That was amazing. <laughs> Man, God bless you, buddy. That's amazing. Because here's the truth. We want to say, yeah, that's right. As innocent as that is, that's amazing, right? We want our story to be, yes, I want, I want our story to be something that honors God, that reflects who he is, because we want the blessing of God in our life. We want the favor of God in our life. So how do we do it? How do we get it? It's through your character. It's through your character. So today we're going to be in the book of uh, Genesis in, the, in chapter 39. I put it in your notes if you didn't bring your Bible and all of that. But we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. And if you know Joseph, you know Joseph's story, cool. If you don't know it, here's the like 20-second version of what's going on, okay? Joseph is Jacob's son. Jacob has 12 sons. He was born 11th, just to be exact, okay? Um, he's also known as Jacob's favorite son. Any parents in the house? Any parents? Yeah. What's like rule number one about having more than one kid? You don't pick favorites, right? Because it's, it's, it's bad enough they fight over yogurt all the time. I mean, it's like, no, no, I want the yogurt. No, I want it. Like, it's, it's bad enough. Imagine if you literally go out and tell like, hey, he's my favorite son. Yeah. And he's got 11 other siblings. So what happens? He's get the, he gets a cool coat. He's off. Oh, he has a dream about ruling over them one day. His brothers hate him. They hate him. So they want to kill him. I'm like, dude, this is getting like serious quickly, right? So what do they do? They plot it out. They throw him into a pit. Ah, just leave him there and he'll die. But then they come to their senses. Hey, we are his brothers. So instead, let's not kill him. Let's sell him to be a slave for the rest of his life. And that's what he does. That's what they do. Really nice. Really nice, right? That's what they do. And you see, I want you to imagine what Joseph is feeling like. 
okay? He's probably hurt, angry. He's probably questioning God. What is up? Why is this happening to me, right? That's, that's probably what he's thinking about. So where does he end up? It's in your notes in, in verse 1 of Genesis 39. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. He ends up in Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his entire house and all that he had, he put under his authority. And so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. If you pause there and give me your attention, Joseph's going to show me what I have to do to get God-honoring characters. Same thing for you. What do I have to do? Number one in your outline is this. I need to do the right thing regardless of my environment. You need to do the right thing regardless. If you're from Miami or from Hialeah, then I guess it's do the right thing irregardless of my environment. Irregardless. Is that even a word? Speaking about doing the right thing, can we just stop like irregardless? Salmon. It's salmon. It's, 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 you don't sound more intelligent, okay? Like, I'll have the salmon, please. You know, no, salmon. Okay, supposedly, that doesn't exist. Supposedly, and listen, I'm the, I, I, used, I used to say it, I, I, but I found Jesus, you know, and he helped me. He helped me. I said, Amen, that's right. <laughs> right, How, dead giveaway, cheat sheet. If you know someone's from Miami, is because they're saying words like that, or they start and end every sentence with bro, right? Bro, I can't believe she did that to me, bro, right? Bro, 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 like just, we need to just stop that, okay? So, I can't. I can't stop that. Anyway, that's, how, that's why Miami and Hialeah get a bad rep, you know, because it's just like, oh, because look at those people. don't even know how to talk. They don't know how to drive. Anyway, talking about bad rep. Check this out. Joseph is in Egypt. What does that mean? Why is that so bad? It's literally like they dropped him right in the middle of Hialeah. He has no idea what to do, right? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, he's in this foreign land. Now, check this out. Foreign land, they don't believe in his God. They believe in thousands of other gods and idols and all this stuff, right? They even think Pharaoh is a god, but they don't believe his. Shouldn't Joseph be angry? Throwing a little pity party, a little tantrum, like, I'm not even supposed to be here. It's my brother's fault, right? Like, I can't believe this. Wow. Why should I serve these people? I don't even, they don't even believe in my God, uh, right? But here's the thing. Joseph is a man of character, of godly character. So he knows that there was ever a time in his life that he needs to represent the Lord is right now. So what does he do? He serves them. He loves them. He knows that he's representing God in this foreign land. And what I love is this. Potiphar, an Egyptian who doesn't believe in that God, acknowledges his God and says, God is with him. I don't know about this Joseph guy, but his God is blessing him. Isn't that amazing? You know, when I first became a Christian, let me tell you, my work and social environments, so to speak, were terrible a train wreck, okay? I mean, I was, 
I worked with the worst bosses you could ever imagine. I mean, the most immoral people I've ever met in my entire life. Coworkers that were like beyond the definition of inappropriate, right? And vulgar and this and that. I had friends I would, I mean, I say it got me into trouble, but I got myself into trouble. I'm not going to lie, right? Every night doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing and all of that stuff. And I remember accepting Jesus and then the next day getting the phone call like, bro, Friday, it's on, bro, okay, bro, you know? A lot of friends from Hialeah. This is what is it? Sorry. And so, what, what was I going to do? Do I tell them like, "Hey, I um, I, I accepted Jesus. Uh, I, I I can't do that anymore." I would be the laughing stock. I mean, like all that influence that I had, all my friends, all they'd be they'd be laughing at me. I, I can't do that, can I? What would they think? What would they say about me behind my back? Who cares? I believed with all my heart that God was doing something in me, that I accepted Jesus and Jesus was trying to change me from the inside out. I was tired of living the same life. So what did I do? I stopped caring about what people thought of me and I started hardcore reading and paying attention to what God says about me in his word. His word says that I'm a new creation. Every time that they would be like, oh man, you, you're not gonna amount to anything. I'm, no, I'm a new creation. I can do all things through Christ. No, no, that God, you'll see, God's gonna let you down. No, because God never changes. He never, he never forsakes me. He never, he's always the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's always faithful. It got so bad that I would walk into, into work and through the intercom system, they'd be like, Shh, uh, careful, Mr. Holier Than Thou is in the building. Don't curse or you're going to hell. You know, and I'm like, in the middle of work, customers, like, you know, retail. Imagine you're walking through a store and you're like checking out a sweater, like, oh, that's pretty cute. I don't know, maybe, I don't, you know? And all of a sudden you hear like that. It was the most embarrassing. It got weird really, really, really quick. But it didn't matter because I knew that God had something else for my life. And so maybe God has placed you where you are in your job with your crazy family, your crazy kids, your whatever it is, whatever situation you find yourself in, that you're like, God, there's no... Why am I here? I'm so tired of this. Maybe he's placed you there so that you can represent him. He's placed you in this foreign land like Joseph, right? So that you can maybe, maybe be the only glimpse of Jesus that somebody sees. I can't guarantee they're going to show up to church. I can't guarantee they're going to read a Bible ever in their life. But what they will do, church, no matter what, is remember your character. They are always going to remember the way you responded when you were going through trials and errors and all that stuff. They're always going to remember the way you spoke to them when nobody else was speaking to them. You showed grace when nobody else showed grace. You forgave when nobody thought in a million years they could ever accept or be, or be deserving of forgiveness. They're never going to forget that. That's why Jesus says this in Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's literally what Joseph's life is looking like right now. He's making the most out of his situation. He's not playing the victim. He's allowing his character to shine in a place that needs it the most. So my challenge to you is, what have you been reflecting? What kind of, what kind of light are your coworkers, your family, your kids, your spouse? What is your character showing them? I pray that what they see is grace and love and, and, and it reflects the thing that we believe in. You know, and here, here's what, where, where his story keeps going in Genesis 39. Check this out. It says that then it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. That means, hey, what's up? How you doing? Can I get your number? You know, all that stuff, right? That, so that's, that's the, the, 
the GMV, the George Martinez version. This is the actual Bible, so let's read it. The wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused. He said to his master, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. So how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day by, I mean, desperate, right? That he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and got out of that situation. Peace out. I'm out. What is Joseph teaching us? Number two, I've got to do the right thing regardless of the temptation. Regardless of the temptation. So easy to be tempted nowadays. So easy. My wife and I, um, when we did finally get married, I guess you can say that we were blessed right away. You know, we, we were blessed of a house. A lot of times when you first get married, I mean, you're, you know, you're renting an apartment and whatnot, and, and we got married, and literally off, we got out of our honeymoon, and we walked into our home, you know, and my mom, she, like, I was living there with my mom before, and she's just like, listen, you're getting married, and all that, so, um, you know how it is when your kids are old enough to get married, you're, like, you're, you're getting married, so get out of here, right? Get out. But it was the opposite with me. My mom says, like, I'm going to find a place. This house is yours. And she kicked her, I know it's, it's sweet. It's, it, but she kicked herself out of the house. Isn't that weird? It's like every kid's like, really? All right. You know, like, <laughs> this is my house, you know? Cool. It's a blessing in disguise with a price tag, isn't it? Yeah. We can't afford this house. We're newlyweds. We're in part-time. Both of, us, both of us at the time were in part-time ministry. And then we ended up having to get three jobs each just to try to make this work. But the problem is, guys, it just wasn't going to work. And I remember just sitting out with the budget and looking and going like, we're running out of money. We're running out of money. And, and Evelyn's just like waiting patiently like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I'm freaking out. Um, we were on the verge of bankruptcy until a friend of mine goes, hey, you need to go check out Fulanito in Hialeah. I'm like, why does it always come back to Hialeah? <laughs> he's like, just, just talk to Fulanito, you know? He's like, who's Fulanito? He's like, this guy. What does he do? I don't know. But go talk to him. He'll, he'll, he'll hook you up. I was desperate. I was running out of money. Savings account, gone. I mean, literally. And I walked into this guy's office. I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you walk into and you see somebody and you don't know anything about them. You haven't even spoken to them. But you know deep down inside there is no way I'm ever going to trust a word this guy says. You know? <laughs> Especially Fulanito and Hialeah, you know? He's just like, hey, what's up, brother? How are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. Sit down, bro. Hey, how can I help you, you know? I'm like, oh boy, you know, but whatever, we're here. And I'm like, oh yeah, my mortgage and this thing. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, rule number one, stop paying for the house. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, grab all the money that you'll be paying. You're just throwing away your money, bro. Grab the money, save it. You're going to be rich. In six, seven months, you're going to have all this money and you don't have to worry about the house. I'm like, okay, maybe you don't know how things work, you know, legally, <laughs> you know. He's like, don't worry, don't worry. And then the bank is going to come and then I'll talk to them and then I'll hook you up. And I'm like, oh. Like the roadrunner, like beep, beep, pew, I, like gone. I was out of that office before because I just, I told Evelyn at the time, I'm like, we have money in the, in, in the account. 
It's only one more mortgage payment left of money that we have, and then we're literally broke, zero dollars to our name. But there's something in me that I can't, I can't just lie and say, oh, I, I can't pay for this month's mortgage. When I get to that situation, okay, that's one thing. But right now, I've got to honor God. It's tempting because I need money. But I was like, God, you're going you're gonna to have to figure, I don't know what's going to happen. So we pay the mortgage, whatever. You know what's funny how God works? Instead of fulanito, we get connected with somebody who legally does refinances, right? We apply and all of that. And by the grace of God, we save like eight or $900 off of our mortgage payment a month. And that's the house that we've been living in for the last nine years. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's right. That's but here's the thing. Joseph, just the same way that I was now, he was in, he's in a weird spot. Temptation, it's right there. Who's going to know? He's in charge of the entire household. I'm, I could get away with this. It's not a big deal. What's the big deal? Just sleep with her. What's the big deal? He says one thing that we can use in our lives, that if we did this one thing, I guarantee you we would stop making some of the mistakes that we make. He says this one, this one question. I love it. It says, how could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Church, can you imagine what would happen in your life? What would your life look like if for one split second, when you're in the middle of temptation, you stopped and asked this question? How can I do this? How can I sin against God? Joseph knew the only reason he was still alive was because of God. The only reason he was blessed was because of God. And now this random home wrecker wants to show up and wants him to sacrifice his beliefs, his purity, and his character for a temporary moment of pleasure? Not today, Satan. Give me five feet. Back up. Back up. His character was worth so much more than some temporary pleasure. And so is yours. See, oftentimes, I, I think the reason why we fall for temptation in our lives is because we do not give God a chance to move. We don't give him a chance to work, to bless, to do anything. We just jump right in. Why? Because if we're honest with, we, with ourselves... Because that's the easy way out. It's the easy way out. Oh, I'm just going to sleep with her. Who cares? Not a big deal. Right? You just give in. But your, your character is worth so much more than the easy way out, so much more than ordering that extra drink you don't need, than clicking on that website that you shouldn't be on, spreading that gossip about your other whatever, right? Cheating when it seems like the only way out, oh, I'm just going to cheat. That's easy. All those things are easy and they are worthless. The easy way out doesn't bring anything, especially not the blessing of God into your life. It only brings pain. But the good news is this. God always finds a way out. First Corinthians says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And I love that. There's always a way out. No, George, you don't understand my situation. There's always a way out. No, 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 but God, God, he's judging me. God doesn't judge you. There is nothing that you can do on this planet that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. There's nothing. There is absolutely nothing. But you don't understand. Oh, trust me, I understand. Trust me, I'm a pastor. We walk into the worst situations on the planet, Okay. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. And when you're in those situations, if you just cry out to God, he's going to show up. 
How could I do this wickedness? How can I sin against you, God? You've given me everything. Why would I give everything up for this temporary moment? No, 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 no. If we're people of godly character, then we're going to do the right thing regardless of what gets tempted in our lives. So I wish I could stand here before you and tell you that Joseph, you know, like, man, he, he endured it. He ran out of there. Gone. And everything was great. They lived happily ever after. But it didn't work out. It actually got worse. She convinced Potiphar that he was guilty. You know, she convinced him that he actually slept with her and all this stuff and tried to sleep with her and all that. He goes to jail for years, years. Imagine what he's feeling like now. He's like, man, I'm still faithful. I've been, I've been, God, what is going on? How come you don't bless me? Uh," Right? Then what happens? Pharaoh has a nightmare. No one knows what it's about. They call Joseph to interpret the dream and he warns him, hey, 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 hey. Start collecting all the food, all the grains, because there's a famine coming for years. And all the nations in the world are going to come to Egypt to buy grain from you. But you've got to start doing it now. And Pharaoh was like, okay, I see what you're working with. This guy's pretty good. Put some second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. The entire nation of Egypt. And when I said that everybody was going to come to get the grain, guess what? I meant everybody. So right now, in the part that we're about to read, guess who shows up? At the feet of Joseph, his brothers. <gasps> Say, what? No, no, no puede ser. Este chime está tremendo. What? Okay, let's do this. What happens next, George? Come on. Right? His brothers are right there. Can you imagine? He's got all the power. Under Pharaoh, he's the most powerful person in all of Egypt. And they're, sit- they're starving. They're desperate. And now it's his time. It's like, oh, oh prepárate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they had chancletas back then, but th- he's about to bust one out right now, Right? But remember, we're talking about Joseph here. Check it out in uh, verse 1 of Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud and, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him. Imagine, they were freaked out. Right? They were in dismay and in his presence. And, and Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Can you imagine? His brothers show up because they're starving. They need food. And when they get there, there's this crazy guy wearing all the Egyptian stuff, you know, like, hey, you know, like, we, we, just, we just need some food. And then that guy stops and tells him, I'm your brother, Joseph. The ones that you threw in the pit, the ones that you sold off, the ones that you backstabbed, the ones that you just completely destroyed, you know. You know what happens there in that moment? Those brothers are feeling conviction. Those brothers don't know what to do. They probably felt like they were seeing a ghost. It's probably been like 22 years by this point since they've seen their brother. And look, let's see what the brothers do. Genesis 50 says, Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants, Joseph. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. 
in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What is up with this guy? Can he just not do something wrong for once? What is he showing us in this, in this verse, church? You want godly character in your life? What do I have to do? I have to do the right thing regardless of the pain. Regardless of the pain. Romans 5 says this, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You see, the most obvious way that someone can tell if you are truly a follower of Jesus or not, the way someone can like pinpoint you out of a crowd, like, oh, that person, yeah, that person's got some godly character. The way they can do that is by noticing how you respond, how you and I respond to pain. See, when someone, when someone hurts you, if something backfires, nothing's working out, when it rains, it pours, you know, that whole thing, right? What do you do? How do you respond? Are you one of these people that right off the bat, you're like, oh, you hurt me. God, forgive them. They don't know what they do. God, I pray blessings over their life. And, um, and Lord, that you just, you would just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that you? Or is it one of these things where you're like, oh, ah, you hurt me. And then you just serve them like you bake them a cake. You throw them a birthday party. Like, yeah, man, I love you, bro. You hurt me, but hey, bro, we're good. Right? Is that you? Or do you plan your revenge party? Right? You're like, oh, I can't wait. I'm in the corner. I, okay, I know his schedule, and I can meet him over here. Yeah, it's going to be great. I could poison his soup. You know, all this stuff. Like, right? Is that you? Do you go to that extreme? Do you say things like, oh, they're going to get what's coming to them? Oof. That's when it's serious stuff, right? Serious, serious stuff. Maybe you're here today, and you've been hurt. But I mean, like, really hurt. You've been wounded. It's not your fault. You've just been hurt. Someone did something to you. Someone said something to you, whatever the case may be. And can I be the first one to tell you, I am so sorry. I really am, because... We're not immune to, to these wounds that come from other people and all that. I mean, I, every day I, I, I try to cover up wounds that I didn't give myself, unfortunately. But because someone said one thing, it destroyed me. Literally destroyed me. Because that person backstabbed me or said this or, or just took advantage of me or whatever the case may be. Now all of a sudden I walk around and just kind of like, I'm just going to get by. You know, did God give... Did, did God give us Jesus so we can walk around feeling like this? No. God gave us Jesus as an, as an example. And just like we're seeing with Joseph, maybe you, you've been hurt so bad and you've been looking at Joseph's story as I've been teaching you. are like, man, thanks, George, for, for sharing this story. Because I, I relate to this guy so much. Everything's going backwards and this and that and people backstabbing them. Oh, and you relate to his whole story except for the last part right now. How in the world is he going to forgive his brothers? Why would he just do that? That's insane, George. That doesn't make any sense. Do you understand what, he did to, what they did to him? He was separated from his father for 22 years, thrown into like prisons and this and that. These are the, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve to be loved. They deserve to get thrown into a pit. Amo, let's go. Let's get them back for what they did. 
I don't understand it, George. And I get it. Because it's hard to understand why someone would love or forgive someone that didn't deserve it. Isn't that what Jesus did for you? Isn't that what Jesus did for me? He saw us in our state, running away from all things, God. Rebellion, sin, mistakes, left and right. Who cares? Thinking that, oh, I'm prideful. I can do whatever I want. I got the money. I got this. I got, ah, right? He looks at that and he could easily just go, I'm going to take you out because I'm God. I can do whatever I want. But what does God do? What does Jesus do? He shows us character. He says, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to love you anyway. You don't deserve it. And you think you feel pain now, but I'm going to die on the cross for every single mistake and sin that you've ever made to remind you, to remind you what true love really looks like. You see, we will never, church, we will never look more like Jesus than when we choose to forgive those who have hurt us. We will never look more like Jesus until we surrender that pain, those things in our heads, that, that, you know, that movie scene that you keep replaying over and over and over and over and over again. There are people that live right there and they never get out of that. For the rest of their life, they're just thinking about what she said, what he did, what happened at work, and oh, and it becomes what defines the rest of their life. You put yourself in some imaginary jail cell and you're like, no, I can't get out because oh, she said this, no, you're right, I can't do it. We're the ones putting ourselves into that jail cell. Guess what Jesus says? He says, I've come to set you free. And those who I set free are free indeed, according to what it says. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. Abundant living does not look like that. Abundant living is saying, I'm going to be the bigger person. That person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. That person doesn't deserve my love. But I didn't deserve God's love. And he chose to love me anyway. So who am I to not do the same thing for those who have hurt me? So today is the day. I do not want you to walk out of here and just go, oh, where are we going to go for brunch, lunch? Let's do it. Okay, cool. That's great. But right now, I'm talking about kingdom business in this place. Right now is the day that you need to stop replaying those scenes over and over again. You need to stop letting pain have so, so much influence in your life. Instead, let Jesus replace that. Forgive those people who have hurt you. I can't guarantee you're ever going to forget it, but that's not the point. You forgive someone who's hurt you, you will never feel freer in your entire life. Surrender it to God. Surrender to the feet of Jesus. Guess what? Because he has way bigger shoulders to carry way more burdens than you and I. So maybe you're here today. You've been hurt. Your wounds are deep. But it's time. Let that go. It's not worth it. Your character is worth so much more. People are watching you every step of the way when you're outside of this building going, oh, what's going to happen now? Why doesn't your character show them? Like, you know what? My God is way bigger than that person, than that statement. And I'm going to show you what true love really looks like, even when you don't deserve it. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes for a second. And I don't know what, what your wound is, we all have different wounds. We all have different things that, are, that we're going through right now, but God does. I don't know what keeps you up at night, what you think about before you go to bed, but God does. I don't know what it is that's been holding you back from taking that step of faith that he wants you to live in, that abundant life that he promises in his word. And one thing that he does not do is break his promise. But man, 
Sometimes we're the only ones that hold us back from it. So right now, if, if that's you, if you're, you're saying, George, I, I'm with you, I understand, and I'm done. I, my whole life I felt like it's just been pain after pain after pain, struggle after struggle. And today, I want to surrender that to Jesus. I'm tired of living in the shadow of the pain of my life. Today, I want to walk into the free gift of who Jesus is. If that's you, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, I want to invite you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hands. God bless you. In the back, I see you. Thank you. God bless you. That pain's not worth it. I see your hands. Maybe you're here and you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been doing life by yourself. You walked into church not knowing what to expect, and now you're talking about a God that loves me enough to give his life even when I don't deserve it. I need that in my life. Are you kidding me? How do I get that? It's real simple. You don't have to do anything. Just believe. Just accept them. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand as well, and I want to pray for you as well. God bless you. I see your hands. I see your hands. God, I thank you for every single hand that went up right now. And more importantly, what decisions is being made right now. There are people that are letting go of things right now, whether that's surrendering, surrendering their life to you, trusting you with their life, God, whether that's pain and wounds of the past and whatnot. They are tired of letting that be the thing that defines them. So no longer is that going to be the definition of their life. But instead, their definition, God, is going to be your love, what you say in your word about them. We are more than conquerors through Jesus. We are made new. We're a new creation. We can do all things through Jesus, God. So right now, we're going to pray this prayer. And I want you to pray it out loud. And it's not some magic formula or whatnot. But if you pray this in sincerity, God will hear you. He will come into your life. And he's going to radically change your life. doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But it's going to be way better than you could have ever imagined without him. So the whole church, let's all encourage those people who are praying right now. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, I come before you and I say that I'm sorry for the mistakes in my life, for the sin in my life. I believe that Jesus gave his life for me when I didn't deserve it. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone says... Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.